it's where there's that randomized purchase um, where their child doesn't know what they're going to be buying. So to give, to give you know, some examples would be games like Roblox, probably a slight, which is concerning because that's a game I'm aware of that's played by really young kids. A very warm welcome to the Gambling Harm podcast. Uh, great to have you with us for an all new episode. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be looking at the issue of loot boxes. And we're going to be looking at whether they are an early form of gambling and as such, what dangers they pose. Three great guests for, uh, for this uh, podcast. Dave Sproson, who's making his second appearance, actually, on the Gambling Harm pod- podcast. So a very warm welcome to you, Dave, who is Epic's uh, head of Safer Gambling. Johnny Pennicott, who's uh, a gaming and esports consultant. And Nathan Corliss, who's one of Epic's program facilitators uh, and also a professional boxer. Great to have you with us, guys. Um, I'm going to start with you then, Johnny, just by asking that question that I alluded to at the beginning. What is a loot box? Yeah, so I think when explaining this, the first thing I say is that gaming has changed over the past 20 years and the way that games companies make money has changed. Mm. Um, So, you know, 20 years ago, we might have walked into a game shop, handed the money over the counter and taken home the game. And whilst that is still, you know, it's still possible in some cases, many of the most popular video games that we see at the moment often have a free-to-play model. So you can download the game totally for free. Um, and then the games companies will make money by selling virtual items within the game. Mm-hmm. So this is a business model called microtransactions. So microtransactions, microtransactions can be a whole range of things. Skins is a common one people might have heard of where someone might pay to make their character look different in the game, to make a weapon look different in the game. Mm-hmm. But the form of microtransactions that we'll be talking about today is loot boxes. And that refers to a form of microtransaction where there's a randomized element. So when you make that purchase and when you, when you pay, you don't know exactly what item you're going to be getting. And very often there's an item that you might want, um, but it could be very, very rare um, that you'll actually receive that item. And um, yeah, that's where the concern is because it's that randomized element that creates that gambling-like mechanic. Okay, we're going to get into that um, in, in greater detail very shortly. Nathan, I'm going to come to you um, to start with, really. Just tell us in a few minutes your, your backstory and, and how it led to you becoming uh, a program facilitator for Epic and, and how your experience relates to this issue of loot boxes. Yeah, so I, I stopped gambling in 2018. Um, and then uh, I, was, I, was a, um, I was at Beacon Counseling Trust for, for counseling over me gambling mm. and then I, I spoke to the head of Beacon and we, we done work together and I helped set up the, the North uh, West Gambling Harms Alliance and and Paul was out there at doing doing one of his talks mm. and then I did my, my speech at the end and um he, he contacted me and we, we become like friends and he sponsored me as a as as an athlete as well. And then at the beginning of, of this year he approached me and, and asked me if I would finally be come on as a facilitator for Epic yeah. and I felt like I was in the position to do so I felt, I felt better in myself and felt more confident in myself yeah um and it was it wasn't until a few months ago I heard Jonathan talk about his story about his his his, his loot box loot box addiction and I thought I was you know I've I was listening to him and I thought that relates to me um 
and I felt like I, I needed to reach out to him and, and to see if he needed any help and to share my story in, in this in this part as well. Yeah, it's funny. So Johnny was speaking, you thought, actually, I this 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 switches a light on with me because it's part of my experience. Are, are you able to tell us, Nathan, a, li a little bit about your experience with loot boxes? <clears throat> I'm not sure what FIFA it was, uh, the first Ultimate Team. Do you, do you remember? Uh, FIFA 11 or 10 or something. Yeah. So, you know, we were like the... Like the guinea pigs, I always like to say, it was my our generation that, you know, it was the the boom in the in the online gaming, and we all played FIFA, um, and, you know, it it, it comes to a point where they, they brought in the free part of, of Ultimate Team, which was in the game. You started by the game, obviously, and it was like a race to to get all the best players, but within the game, you had to had to purchase. Um, FIFA packs and at the time it was like you have to buy Microsoft points and then you have to buy FIFA points with the Microsoft points and we all used to used to go every Friday to Blockbusters with our pocket money or we used to sell games to Blockbusters and, and, yeah. and purchase Microsoft points and we would just put as much money as we could into into FIFA on like release dates of FIFA we'd all wait at, you know, at midnight to get the game and then we'd we'd put like hundred and fifty pounds in on the night of, of opening packs, and more than likely you wouldn't you wouldn't get anybody. I think the, they finally added in the the um, the probability and say like less than one percent to get certain players. Um, and yeah, and I think it it become a real problem for me in two thousand eighteen when I had stopped the gambling. I sort of used FIFA as a way to to help you know stop any. Age I had because of yeah. it was a similar pathway for me. It was a similar feeling, so I used FIFA and we were um, some some lad we knew was getting um, Xbox cards on the cheap somehow. Um, so we were getting fifty pound Xbox vouchers for like twenty five quid. So every Friday again we would just would put like two three hundred pounds worth of FIFA points in. Obviously we're getting them a lot cheaper, but we just we were just feeding it and. Yeah, it wasn't until I listened to Jonathan, I was like, I've had, I've, had, I've had an experience with that. So David, it was really interesting to hear Nathan say that the feeling that he got through playing FIFA was similar to the feeling he got when he was gambling. Just tell us a little bit more about what's going on there. Sure, yeah. So there've been, there've been studies done, for example, where they had a person lie within an MRI machine. Um, and whilst the person was in the MRI machine, they had them play a slot game. Uh, what they were looking for is the way that the brain reacts chemically when you experience a win or when you experience a loss so that they could map the differences. And what they actually really found was that whether you had a win or whether you had a near, a near win or a near miss, depending on how you want to look at it, mm. and that's when you have, if you imagine reels where you want the 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven as the jackpot outcome, they would get the first reel would stop at 7, the, you know, the excitement builds, the second reel stops at 7, they're now really excited, yeah. and they're waiting for that third 7, and it just ticks over to get a lemon or whatever the other symbol might be, and then they get that loss, so they've not won anything. What they actually found was that over time, those near wins became almost identical to a, an actual win. Um, and when you look at it on a scale, you couldn't really differentiate when a win happened and when that near win happened. So people want the anticipation. And where this works with loot boxes is the exact same way. You know, when you're playing with a loot box, it's the anticipation. The animations within the loot boxes are designed to be visually pleasing when you watch them. And quite often, you know, it's, in video games, it's on a rarity level from legendary down to common. And they, they're denoted by golden as legendary, purple as epic, green as common, white as the, the lowest 
level, for example. And what they actually find is that when these animations are playing, the, the, the chemical and the, the anticipation is the exact same between the products. And so where the harm starts to happen is when you have you know, young kids that are potentially emotionally vulnerable, they're going through changes in their body at home, uh, you know, difficulties at home potentially as well, they're vulnerable. They use the feelings that they get from these games as a way to fill that void and a way to make themselves feel better. And I know certainly for myself, um, when I was opening you know, hundreds of pounds worth of loot boxes at a time, I was doing it because I was going through difficulties with my partner at home. I, I was in a job that I didn't enjoy. I was working hours that were taking me away from my family all the time. Yeah. Um, I was fundamentally unhappy. And even though at the time I knew that the money that I was spending was meant for other things and that it was going to cause harm, the temporary feelings that I would get while I was opening those boxes, especially when it was something that I would classify as that's a win for me or I'm nearly getting there. I'm opening these purple ones. I'm so close to getting a gold one. Um, you know, all those worries went away. So for that period of time, there was, there was a freedom, but it was a bit of a fake freedom, right? I mean, Johnny, you're nodding away there. Does that resonate with your experience? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So I started buying uh, loot boxes. I'd always played FIFA. That was the first video game that I had. Got a yeah. games console for the first time when I was seven. Used to kind of go downstairs at 6 a.m. On the, on the weekends when I was allowed to play. And, yeah. you know, it was FIFA because as a young kid that loved football, that was the game that I always played. And... I started um, playing Ultimate Team when that came about in about 2011. So I should say that with the example of FIFA, Ultimate Team is a mode within the game um, where there are loot boxes. So packs are FIFA's form of loot box. Ultimate Team is a game mode where the goal is to build up your dream team of players. Almost if you imagine a little bit like Panini stickers or cards, but every card is usable in the game. You want to build up the best team possible. And um, so I started buying these packs when I was about 12 years old. I remember I first asked my dad if I could put some money onto the game because I basically got got stuck in making progress. Um, so I wanted to get some players from these packs. And I will always remember that he said to me that I shouldn't because it was gambling. And at the time, this was, you know, a bit of a monstrous statement to me. I'd, <laughs> I pretty quickly convinced him otherwise and said, it's just a video game. Um, fast forward years later um you know was spending more money growing up becoming more dishonest i'd go into you know game stores like game or h&b and i would buy physical playstation vouchers that i would redeem and then hide in my room somewhere so that my parents wouldn't be aware of what i was spending which is probably you know a red definitely a red flag that i was starting to spend more than i knew my parents would have been comfortable with and then i got to a point with you know these two major turning points beginning to relate to what we were saying before about that feeling so um, firstly I got a debit card which meant that all of a sudden my payments could become instantaneous and impulsive um, I had access to you know some savings and things for my future money that had been gifted by grandparents and yeah I didn't anymore have to plan when I was going to go into town and and buy these vouchers and yeah the, I then had this second major turning point which is I went through a really difficult time as a 17 18 year old with I had one of my parents diagnosed with cancer um, amongst some other really difficult things that was going on at home. And it would always be hard to put into words exactly what that time in my life was like. But I would say that, yeah, at a point I was desperately unhappy. I was able to exchange money for this feeling, this rush that Dave's just been talking about that gave, that was the only happiness at that point in my life that I was able to feel. And I was there exchanging money for it. And 20 you know, 30 pounds at a time every other weekend. 
turned into 80 pounds three or four times in one night um, at the point where I was heading towards you know my A-levels when I was just meant to be studying and would only be allowed on the game for you know two or three hours a week and yeah. and that's a point you know on a slight tangent that I make actually I say I was allowed on the game I think a lot of people when they first hear this issue where they go well it's not necessarily the kid or the young person's fault and it's not necessarily the game's fault but it's the parents that should be doing more and so I always you know emphasize that point that really like with a lot of addictions this was something that was secret and I really think that at that point my parents just couldn't have known they were parents that you know had restrictions no gaming Monday to Thursday they even had you know filters on the internet so I could only play at certain hours on the weekend yeah. so that's always a point I really like to emphasize to people as well Nathan, it, it, do you know what? Just listening to, to what you guys are saying, it, it, it makes me feel, as a parent, a, a little bit as though I'm, I'm out the loop in a way because I'm thinking Christmas is coming where there will be promotions where lots of parents will be buying these kind of consoles for their children and will sort of perceive it as this is fun time, this is their time, this is, this is time for us maybe to have a, a little bit of quiet time as parents, but it's a safe space. But actually, what... Is it true to say that what you could be doing by, I mean, FIFA um, and EA have, have now finished their contract, but it's going to be called FC24, isn't it? That's what FIFA will now be called. So those buying FC24 for their kids may actually be handing them their first opportunity to gamble. Is is, is that what we're looking at potentially? I think it's a, it is a difficult one hmm. with, a, with anything. You can, you know, there's going to be a problem. You can have a problem with it. A game and addiction. You can have a problem with loot, a loot box addiction. I think you've just got to, uh, as a parent, manage it and and yeah. make sure you know you're doing your best or giving the kids the education that they need around it. I think it's to demonize it. You know, I personally, I think it would make it worse because then it's as a, as a kid growing up, you can't play that game. You can't. It makes me want to do it more. So I think it, yeah, it's just it's got to be done in a in an educational point, given given experiences or you know it, yeah it's a, it's a tough one because if I if I wanted the game as a kid and I wasn't allowed it, it would just make me when I got to the point where I can make my own decisions it's it's only gonna emphasize it more. Yeah, it's almost as though if, if you say no, that's like the forbidden fruit mentality, isn't it? I mean, John, I'm interested to ask when you tell the kind of experiences that you guys are sharing today and I, I know you've become a campaigner um, for this and and, uh, and have been to, to events at the House of Lords for example to raise awareness when you're when you're telling people about the situation with loot boxes are people aware at, at that level at government level it's it's a difficult one I think it's I think lots of people um, might not understand it fully and as i say it can i think there's a bit of a cloud with gaming i think relatively it's still gaming even as a concept is something that has come on massively in the last 20 years everything is kind of new we have clouds around you know gaming addiction which we might talk about in a bit and uh, and it can be very easy for it all to be seen as a negative thing but it's so important that we get you know that we do get to that point where decision makers and policy makers actually understand exactly what's going on here understand where the gambling mechanics lie, understand that this isn't all microtransactions, as we say, it's specifically where we have that randomized, um, that randomized element. Yeah. And, you know, to answer the question broadly, I, I found that I really don't think that, you know, on the whole, people do understand this issue. Um, 
and yeah, especially with parents as well as policymakers, I think it's something that it's so important that we raise awareness around it. And that raises the really important question of, of how you approach it, Dave. I mean, you, you look at the example of Belgium and the Netherlands where, I was going to say they're banned, it's, these loot boxes are banned there, but there's a suggestion that the recommendation is that they should be banned, but it's not enforced. But why do you think that a similar approach hasn't yet been taken here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we've been sort of campaigning for a while is that, you know, at Epic we feel as though everybody, you know, under the age of 18 shouldn't gamble. Um, but the difficulty is in the definition of gambling. And so as loot boxes currently are, uh, because there's no cash out equivalent, there's no way for you to exchange those for real world currency. Um, and in quite often cases, you don't directly purchase the loot boxes either. In some cases, it's a case if you purchase a currency, like Nathan said, about Microsoft points, and then you exchange those points for the loot box that they, you know, they skirt the regulation on gambling. I think the, the difficulty that we've got is that there's an emphasis on the, the gaming industry to self-regulate um, without any really strict guidelines or, or structure as to how they should regulate. And I think you know, if you were to look back on the, on the gambling industry and you were to, if you were to give them the same premise of you need to self-regulate, you know, would we have expected a favourable outcome from that? And if the answer is no, and we needed regulation, which we did do, we should really be taking the same approach with with, with loot boxes. Um, but, the, you know, the big challenge that we've got and the big thing that Johnny and I are both really passionate about and Nathan as well is that, you know, loot boxes shouldn't absolutely be classed as gambling. There are places in the world that they do consider them to be gambling. And if you were to look at places like China, for example, um, specifically in China, it's a legal requirement that if they display a loot box or if, they, if, if a company offers a loot box mechanic, they have to display what the outcomes or the chances of getting those rewards are. Yeah. And that's not dissimilar to a slot machine that has to legally in the UK show an RTP or a return to player table, which shows you per spin what your percentage of chances are of getting that jackpot, getting that bonus feature um, or getting certain winnings. Okay, so just to, just to be clear, you, you, in your all three of your opinion, you would say that loot boxes are gambling. Yeah, yep. yeah. Loot boxes are a form of gambling. As Dave says, it's that technicality that has existed that has meant that for years now this is something that hasn't changed. And that technicality is that the items don't hold a financial um, reward when you buy them. But I'll say that to a 12-year-old that might be addicted to buying loot boxes, and in the case of FIFA... They don't care whether they're getting 50 or 100 pounds when they're spending their money in return. They care that they're going to get Messi or Ronaldo in the game. And in terms of that feeling and that rush of luck, which is, you know, what ends up playing into that addiction, that's going to be at hand regardless of those financial rewards. And it's so important that we do move past that technicality. And in terms of, yeah, that self-regulation, there's common things that we'll hear from these <coughs> games makers. One is that, you know, loot boxes aren't a... Uh, are a required part to play in the game. You can play the game without buying loot boxes, a very common defense that we'll hear. And to that, I'll always say that, you know, if I have a kid's playground and I put a slot machine in the playground and I say, hold on, no, don't worry. The kids can go on the swings and they can go on the slide without using yeah. the slot machine. Don't worry about that. I think I'd probably still run into some issues. There's such subtlety around the language, isn't yeah. there? I mean, it, almost to the point where, you, where it's, it's impossible to discern from... I mean, let, let's take the situation, Nathan, of, of a 12-, of a 13-year-old who 
may just have those addictive tendencies for whatever reason. And, and they're, they're in this situation where they're playing FIFA. Um, do you think that because of this language and because in some ways you could say loot boxes are normalized in such a way that, that, that the child themselves, who might be in a difficult situation at school, at home, it becomes a really, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a freeing thing for them. But do you think actually it's quite dangerous for kids who are in those situations? Yeah, definitely. Especially because you're sort of building the pathway to then when you, if you ever eventually become a gambler, then I feel like for me, as an, I have an addictive personality anyway, the competitiveness in FIFA is to, to win obviously yeah. and to, to win the most games you can in in weekend league and you're coming up against you know in terminology we like to use in, in the game world god tier teams who have got all the best icons all the best players realistically you aren't going to get them unless you purchase loot boxes um you know and more than likely when you when you put 75 pound and to buy twelve thousand fifa points you ain't gonna you ain't gonna be able to afford players like that you can put you could put hundreds of pounds in and you still wouldn't be able to afford it the probability is so is so small to to pack on them sort of players it's sort of like you know if you do get a war how you get the excitement and then you get an 88 rated player but he's worth 30 grand it's it's like that's like the near miss that was done even though you've got a high rated player which was in the probability yeah to me that was still a near miss because you know, it wasn't worth anything, so that would push me on to to to, you know, put another eighty pound in, and then another eighty pound, and then it's like you're coming up to, you know, two hundred and fifty quid, and you're like, hmm, I need to watch out what I'm doing here, and you know, it, it gives you the same chasing feeling for me as I was gambling, and I didn't realise that until later on in my life. But growing up as a kid, obviously I didn't have the access to that sort of money, but I was putting in. You know, I was selling games to buy points. I was, I was um, all my pocket money, any money I could get hold of. Me and all my mates used to do it, but it was normalised. It wasn't. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, people with an addictive personality are gonna do more than the average person. If I could, yeah. sorry, yeah, if I could come in there quickly. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, great points from Nathan that I'd love mm. to pick up on. But I think that point around the fact that should absolutely say FIFA or FC is 24 as it now is, is just one example. It's certainly not mm. the only offender when it yeah. comes to loot boxes. Just, it would be useful for you just to outline games that have loot boxes though, because there will be parents listening or think actually what kind of games do and what kind of games don't. I mean, it, it, yeah. just, just typically what... Yeah, know. it could be hard to answer in a snapshot, but I'd say that some there are some really popular games that parents will certainly have heard of, yeah. like Fortnite which actually don't have loot boxes. They have skin sales and things. And so it's it's that point that's really important for parents to understand. It's where there's that randomized purchase um, where their child doesn't know what they're going to be buying. So to give to give you know some examples would be games like Roblox, probably at slight, which is concerning because that's a game I'm aware of that's played by really young kids. Yeah. There are then games getting older, which are big offenders like Counter-Strike. Um, but yeah, there are a whole series of games and when you buy these games is there any way for those buying them to know whether the loot boxes are part of the a part of what's you're buying is that is that part of legislation at the moment something which is hopefully moving forward we're making some slow progress towards that that looks like it might be one of the first restrictions that actually comes in yeah. but yeah to that point on fifa fc why that partly why we talk about that one why that one 
uh, as with other games, can be so dangerous in terms of loot boxes, is that point that Nathan makes about what we would term pay to win. Yeah. So when you get those items out of, in FIFA or FC's uh, case, you yeah. know, out of the packs, if you get a better player, then that's actually going to help you to win more games when you're actually playing the game against other people. Yeah. And what we're seeing as well in recent years, you know, Nathan's just mentioned Weekend League there, which is what we term the, the esports or the competitive gaming mode within, um, within the FIFA game. And, you know, statistics like I believe that a couple of years ago, it was 7 million players were playing Weekend League, which involved at that time playing around 40 games on a weekend i think it was upwards of 10 hours of gameplay that would require someone to be spending each week and when people are investing that amount of time into playing the game that can almost kind of rationalize for people in a way well i'm spending this amount of time to the game i'm going to want to spend um i want i want to invest money um in order to uh, to win more games to have a better team to have a literal competitive advantage and um yeah, it's almost crazy to me that that is the case in this, you know, this new world of esports where we have this place where it's just not an even playing field. You literally have someone that might come up that's not, you know, spent any money against someone that, as Nathan says, yeah. has this super team, and that's just well, how it works. Well, Nathan, yeah, go on. I think I think the dangerous part of 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 FC twenty four and the previous games that we've all played is. You know, when I was growing up, it was seasons. It was just you play with Everton or you play with Liverpool. Whoever you want to play with, you play with. And there was no reward. It was just, you, yeah, you've, you've been promoted to Division 1. There was no reward. It was just that competitiveness. But fast forward to now we're playing Ultimate Team. The only thing you do in Ultimate Team is to progress as, a t as your team progresses into Weekend League, into Divisions. You're, you're rewarded with packs. So even if you're not buying with physical money, you're still getting you're still getting the, the feeling of opening packs of I finished weekend league and getting all my packs and I finished my division rivals. So you're getting you're getting that little boost in your dopamine yeah. and, and that's that's where you know it, it, it is gonna be hard I feel because even though you might not you might be a, a, a gamer who doesn't buy them, you're still getting that that release of dopamine within the game. And you mentioned it, Nathan. Do you feel that it plays into you? You mentioned it a couple of times, actually, the competitive spirit. You're with your mates. You go to school the next day. How are you doing? How are you doing? Mm. When you're a competitive you know, athlete, it's almost as though it's, it's, it's aimed at specifically that, that characteristic that is such a, an advantage for you as a professional boxer. But in this context, it's almost as though it's, it's a dangerous thing. Is that, is that, is that what you feel? I think so, yeah. Um, even like up until the past few years, I just the first year I've not played it. But you know, my mates, my mates still play. You know, we're we're twenty eight. We're not we're not youngsters anymore. But you know, we're still putting like pitches in the group chat of out of done in weekend league. Putting putting you know pitches of the teams and um, showing what players they've got playing, what what packs they've got. And I think gaming as a whole is is hard for me because I I can get. Uh, you know, like I've said before, I I have got an addictive personality, and when I zone into something, it, it, I I can't do anything else really. I know I've got me boxing, but it's thing boxing sort of like it, I've said before in 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 a past interview, with like Call of Duty and stuff. Um, 
you know, I can just zone in and, and the Call of Duty becomes like the main focus and training sort of still do the training but in the back of my mind it's I need to get home for Call of Duty. Yeah. And FIFA's the same, but FIFA's different because you obviously spend the money on the game. I mean we were talking just a bit before we started the podcast, Dave, about the psychology behind it and um you know there's 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 a fair bit of research that goes into how the these games are set up and 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 the wiring of those who'll be playing them isn't there yeah there's a lot i mean obviously whenever anybody develops a game they want it to be you know the best selling game that it can be yeah and there's profit involved but where the where the psychology comes in is when you look at games that are free to play for example like johnny said earlier where they release the game completely for free you have to ask yourself, why would somebody release a game that they believe is going to be the best game completely for free? Mm. There has to be a financial reason behind it. And where this comes in is in the form of, of microtransactions. And, you know, we've alluded to it today. Not all microtransactions are loot boxes. Um, and the, the psychology is when you look at a, a loot box reveal, or like I said before, you look at a casino win. Um, when you play a casino game or a slot game, for example, specifically, to win your money, you want the bonus feature on that slot game. And that's usually around getting a certain symbols on the game to unlock a bonus feature, which you play a, a version of a mini game. And when you play that version of a mini game, the, the allure of it is that it's skill based. We all know that when you play a slot machine, there is no skill to it. You press spin, you either win or you lose. Mm. But when there's a mini game involved, people automatically then assume that if there's three picks on the screen and you have to pick one of them, <laughs> you think it's skill-based because you think, right, I'm gonna pick the right one. And you think that your choice matters, when in reality, quite often at the point of press and spin, your outcome has been determined already. The only thing that you were doing is playing through an animation that has been designed specifically to make that appealing to you. And when you look at loot boxes, it's the exact same. When you have a loot box, quite often there's a reveal and it can be a box opening and there's colors that shoot out and the colors can change from purple to red to green and usually they'll and start off really it's quickly. designed to be, to be aesthetically very exactly, appealing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, the colors will shoot out the box and it, it'll cycle very quickly at the beginning, like, you know, gold, purple, green, gold, purple, green, and then it'll slow down and it'll be gold purple and green and it's very similar to you know family fortunes and things like that where they have the big wheels that spin yeah. and you're waiting for that needle to stop on tick, the on tick, the jackpot tick, tick, tick. Yeah. and then it just ticks over into the lose and it's that anticipation and all of the games and the mechanics and the loot boxes whether that's a slot machine or whether that's a loot box is specifically designed by experts in the field um where you know some of these companies have hired um you know people that are specialists in brain um, chemistry to look at these mechanics and say, you know, that's going to be a really appealing mechanic. Nobody's going to want to design a game that isn't appealing. You know, they want it to be appealing. They want more people to spend money. And I think where the importance lies with this is about doing so safely. You know, loot boxes, like with gambling, isn't inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with gambling. There's nothing wrong with loot boxes. For the majority, for 99% of people, loot boxes are just an addition to, to gameplay. Like with people that enjoy watching football, they might have a bet on a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever they watch football that just is part of that. It's not the reason they watch football. Mm. And where things start to change and where things really change with me is when I noticed that my mentality and my psychology had completely changed. I played games in the beginning because I enjoyed playing the game. Towards the end of it, I didn't really play the game. I would log on, I would use whatever offers they'd sent me in an email as a way to get me to spend more money, open my packs, and then I would close the game. I wouldn't actually play the game anymore. And that's where there's a huge red flag should have been for me at the time, is that why am I doing this? Because I'm not doing it for that enjoyment anymore. Um, and obviously, you know, talking of psychology, that's where my mentality completely changed. You know what, Dave, like, totally in my experience as well, I think it was, I've always growing up, the thing that my parents were concerned about was 
whether I'd be addicted to gaming. And I think gaming addiction is a really important conversation that we're seeing arise um, more and more, but it's important to say that that's a, a separate conversation. I would say actually that at the point of my spending was totally out of control. I don't think I was addicted to the game. I don't think I was addicted to gaming. What I was addicted to was that rush and that feeling that I got every time that I paid money um, to open these loot boxes, to open these packs. Um, and yeah, at that point, I might have only been spending a couple of hours and I wouldn't even be, again, playing FIFA. I would literally just be logging on, spending money, opening as much stuff as I could. And then, yeah, that would be it, logging off, as Dave says. But doesn't the loot box give you like a, a higher sense of dopamine? So gaming addiction is is almost that, that sort of ticking over, ticking over, ticking over. You know, I know within this, is, aren't, aren't they sort of connected in, in some kind of way? Because they, it, it's still a sense of actually there's, there's something that could happen for me here and it's going to be, could be good. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's the anticipation. The same with, you know, we talk about slots and the reason being is it's the closest comparable. Yeah. It's, it's, it, and it's rapid reinforcement. If you were to look at any sort of addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's, you know, gambling, the addictive behaviors are the same. An alcoholic doesn't start off being an alcoholic. They will drink a small amount that increases over time as their tolerance increases. The same with drugs. Quite often, it's a small amount in the beginning recreationally. And then it, over time, as their tolerance increases, they don't get the same feeling that they used to. And the same is exactly the same from loot boxes. You know, you will, and I'm not saying that this is for everybody, by the way. There's a, you know, only a very small minority of people that get to the point that we've got to. Um, but what happens is, you know, in the beginning, Johnny said he was spending maybe 20 or 30 pound at a weekend. I was the same. I would spend 15 pound here, 10 pound there. And I would justify it because I would say to myself, you know, it's only 10 pound. I don't really drink. I don't smoke. I've got friends that drink and smoke, and they spend far more than I do. So for me to spend this, it's fine. And Can I just ask you, though, I mean, the, the whole thing about responsible gambling for 18-year-old adults is quite a different concept to a 12, 13-year-old child who's, whose brain is still forming, isn't it? When you're, when you're then saying to them that, there's, that I mean, they're, they're guys who are not, by, by nature, they're not yet able to be responsible. So isn't, aren't they that much more vulnerable, do you think? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, you know, the... The key piece for awareness is for the is for the kids is to make them aware of harm can happen. Yeah. Um, but the key area of awareness really is around teachers and around parents because, truthfully, these are the people that you know see these kids day in day out, and you would hopefully notice. I mean, I, I certainly did. My behaviour would change. You could, if you were around me on a day where I'd had a, a good day to quote and I'd, I'd got what I wanted from the loot boxes, I was in a far better mood than I would have been if I'd have spent money. And the reason for that is, for me at the time, I was spending money knowing it was causing harm. And so I had no, I had no justification as to what to spend that money because it was wasted. If I'd at least got something that I perceived as valuable out of it, I would have felt better. And it's the same for the kids. You know, they go to school um, and they, you know, they could be opening packs whilst they're at school, before school, after school. The parents are going to see a noticeable change in behaviour. The, the teachers will see a noticeable change in behaviour. Yeah. Um, and the difficulty is around that understanding that, you know, this is gambling. When in a society where we tell them it's not gambling, the regulation tells them that's not that's not gambling. Parents that don't come from a background like us three do, where we've grown up with video games, don't really understand it as that, and they don't perceive it as that. They just perceive it as my son likes to play Fortnite, or my son or my daughter likes to play, you know, FIFA. Uh, there's a, if I can, there's the, yeah, a few things that makes me think of, and on in terms of yeah, your point about it being 12 or 13 year olds, mm -hmm. I think it's important to say that the harm that loot boxes do is twofold. Mm -hmm. 
So we have the direct harm. Uh, we have essentially the human cost of what it actually looks like in a 12 or 13 year old, for that example's life, when they might have spent thousands of pounds on a parent's credit card and it comes to that point where the parent finds out and what that actually looks like in that young person's life um, and in that family dynamic and the harm that that causes, the financial harm and all the emotional harm. And, you know, I my own devastating experience, I'm in a position where I've had, I've been reached out to, you know, with so many heartbreaking messages from young people. And it's, it's important to understand that direct human cost. But I say the harm is twofold with loot boxes because then what we also see is that when you have really young people, when you have children that are getting used to these mechanics, that are getting used to this variable reinforcement ratio, that, that feeling um, of exchanging money with this randomized reward, when their brains are getting used to that feeling, what we then see is many cases of people that will go on to then struggle with what are, to differentiate, I have to term, you know, con more conventional gambling addictions. Mm. And so it's actually really interesting to hear Nathan's example, which is one where he says that, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but when your gambling addiction might have been more under control, that the loot boxes might have begun to escalate more and actually to hear it that way around. Yeah, um, I think with me, I, I sort of, I, I seen the, oh, as opening a path very similar to a roulette wheel of the game, because I, I, my addiction was to, the fixed odds betting terminals. So I was, I only played one certain type of game within that, which was the 20p roulette in the William Hill or, or um, type game. Mm. Um, and so when I when I when I cut that out and I began my recovery as a, a harmful gambler, you know I used FIFA as sort of way to you know like I said before to to you know spike stop the spike in in my age. Mm. So, it, it I found it very similar. You know, you put, you know, the, you open the pack, and then you you get like a little, you get like a tell. And for me, when I was playing the roulette wheel, I knew where it was gonna come in, and knew where it. So I used to spin round and wait a few seconds. And it was the same with the FIFA pack. You could, if it flashed white at the bottom, you knew you were gonna get a war out, and it gave me that same, you know, adrenaline rush. Not to the same extent, obviously, because of winning money. But it still gave me something where I felt like, you know, this is this is good. I want this more. Just to add a bit on that, I think what we're talking about here is there's a there's a neural pathway in the human brain called the risk and reward pathway, and it's the pathway that if you were to look in the MRI whilst you gamble, it's the part of your brain that lights up when your brain weighs up the risk versus reward when you're gambling. And what we actually find is that in males specifically, the human brain's not really fully developed until the age of 24, slightly younger in females at 21, thereabouts. Um, and what we actually find is that when kids are exposed to these risk and reward scenarios as a minor, that neural pathway is, is reinforced at an early age, which actually means that as they get older, they start to seek that in other forms. And, you know, we talk about it quite a lot when it comes to uh, drug addiction. So you'll hear people say it's a gateway drug. Um, and by that, what we mean is things like cannabis, for example. When somebody takes that from a young age, say that, you know, you had minors taking that at around the same age, 12, 13, 14, they'll experience something that they get from it, an endorphin high or whatever you want to call it, that they won't get if they keep up the same levels. And so it's called a gateway drug because what that does is it leads them through a gateway to other things, whether it be cocaine or heroin. And generally what you find is that people will increase the, the, the drug amounts or increase the, the, the classification of the drug to seek the same high that they would have got in the beginning. Alcoholics do the same through alcohol. They will, might start off with things like, um, you know, uh, beer or 
spirit, uh, you know, and move up to spirits because yeah. they chase the same thing. And it's the same with this. If you look at soft forms of gambling, which is, you know, I've heard people call it that, such as loot boxes, that then can progress when they get to an adult to be more conventional forms of gambling. The, you know, the behaviors behind it are reinforced at an early age that it becomes a normalization. So when they do start to do these things as an adult, it's almost normal for them. There's no perceived risk anymore. And because that perceived risk doesn't happen, that neural pathway doesn't light up, the endorphins aren't released, and so they have to do more risky things to get the same. So potentially it's putting them on a pathway that without loot boxes and without this, this issue, they wouldn't necessarily be on. Is, exactly. is that what we're saying? I think, yeah, I think it's a great point. What we're really you know, getting at here is the fact that one of, you know, what can be a key ingredient, as it were, in gambling addiction, one of the big red flags would be an early positive exposure to gambling. Yeah. And what we're saying is now you think of the scale of the generation of young people that are gaming and that are playing games with loot boxes in, such as FIFA, they are essentially experiencing gambling mechanics. And what that, you know, I probably wrongly use the word ingredients in gambling addiction is being ticked off for that entire generation of young people that are playing these games. You know, recently, uh, this summer, I remember, you know, McDonald's Monopoly. And I was sat with my friend and I was, <laughs> I was looking at the packet of my burger and I was saying, you know what, I look at that and I actually start in a, in a little way to have that little feeling, that little rush of luck, yeah. which is that feeling that I had when I was sat opening packs, opening loot boxes on the game. But you know what, it's my job to talk about this issue and yeah. to understand this issue and that is not the case for so many people out there where that feeling is something that is getting cemented as a kid. Yeah. And for me, that is what is massively concerning as this generation grows up. The NSPCC uh, recent research said that one third of children who game make in-game purchases every week. Um, the research showed that girls were, in terms of girls, it was, it was a growing uh, demographic, but the boys were more likely to use it. But what the question I'm asking is parents might think oh this is is this just primarily a boys issue what's the, what, how do we answer that one yeah i mean you know if i'm sure if you were to look at the figures that you would probably find that there are more males harmed than females or at least that we know about mm. um and the same can be said for traditional gambling but that doesn't mean that the figures are statistically true mm. and the main reason being that as with all forms of gambling there's almost an added layer of stigma on women and you know it's more true probably to to traditional forms of gambling that maybe to loot boxes but when it comes to esports and it comes to gaming um you know it's becoming more and more popular amongst young girls and, and females as well and i think with that gives rise to it i think you know the, the key thing is not really to worry about whether it's you know something that's going to affect boys or girls it's more to do with it definitely does affect children yeah. um, and i think you know parents if they're going to take one thing away from anything is just that you know to be aware of the harm that can come from it. You know, when the kids are asking for these, um, you know, FIFA points or um, they're asking for anything that they could potentially spend on loot boxes, to, to just be aware that harm can come from it, you know, and, and maybe do a bit of research around it. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the net revenue of EA, 20% of their net revenue, which is the best part of a, of, of a billion pounds, came from selling Ultimate Team Packs back in 2018. Since then, measures have been taken to add preview packs, um, pack probabilities. Do you think that EA's hand is being forced here? And, and, I, and I, it leads to the second question, which, which what you just said alluded to, Dave, is is how do you allow people to play FIFA, but be aware that there's this loot box 
within this FIFA game that needs to be controlled and, and maybe marked as an 18? I mean, where do you start to deal with it? Really, the one thing that I'd like to say is in terms of these changes, such as preview packs and things yeah. that have been brought in in recent years, yeah, I'd like to be very clear. These are meaningless changes <laughs> when you actually look into what they do yeah. and the influence that they have on those mechanics. For example, they brought in um, self-spending um, limits that you could implement yourself. I would say immediately that's surely extremely concerning that a game which is apparently suitable for three-year-olds needs a mechanic where you can place a limit on the amount that you're spending. But even if we move past that, once you hit your limits, um, of spending for a week or a month, you're then faced with three options. One is okay, one is review my limits, and one is ignore for one hour. <laughs> and so if we were to take that you know, regulation and mm. put that into the gambling industry, that would be absolutely laughed out. That is not you know, a, a meaningful change. And the other changes that you mentioned are basically like that, yeah. is what I'd say. Um, yeah, in terms of the regulation, I think that what we'd hope for, as Dave says, you know, at Epic, we believe that no one under the age of 18 should be able to gamble on anything, full stop. And we believe that loot boxes are a form of gambling. We're clear on that. And so whilst, again, we're not, what we're not saying is that people shouldn't be gaming. What we're not saying is people shouldn't be able to play these games. But these mechanics and these, you know, these loot boxes in these games should see similar regulations to what you'd see on things like sports betting apps. And there should be age restrictions that mean that if you're under the age of 18, you are not able to buy a loot box. Um, how soon we'll see that? So I don't that, know. That's, that's an, that's an in-game restriction you're talking about there, really. So you're not saying um, FC24 should be an 18 per se because it has a loot box in, but but part of that game should be restricted and parents should have the ability to just restrict that from their, their child's use? Is that is that the way to do it? Exactly. So as you're saying, that clarity is really important. That might be the first step that we see, that every game displays very clearly if it has loot boxes in. But, you know, they should children should still be able to play these games if it's a suitable age rating. For example, uh, I believe that FC24 or FIFA was still Peggy 3. But it's the sale of those items specifically that you should have to pass... Um, age restrictions in order to buy those items. Do you think the the way that Belgium and Netherlands has, has gone, Nathan, is is by, by suggesting a ban on loot boxes is is the way forward, or, or do you, do you think that's that's unenforceable? And and by, and by doing that, you create a reaction where kids want to play it all the more. Unsure. I think I think the way we should go is not banning it completely. Hmm. I think, as Jonathan said, I think the right thing to do would be the age restriction but yeah. I, I would like to ask you obviously i've got asked the question before about what to do with, with kids what would your stance be on you know there's no restrictions right now so how would you how would you proceed to you know to give the child the yeah yeah so right now i think education on this issue is so important um i talked about what that human cost looks like at that point in a child's yeah. life where they might have spent their spending's gone way out of control. And for every parent that faces that situation that might have heard, you know, one of us speak them, I've heard this podcast that might have read a news report on this issue. Yeah. I think that that we hope will make, you know, an actual tangible difference at that point in their lives. Understanding the parental controls that will lie within these consoles is 
so critical for parents. This is not something that's going to be immediately obvious. It's not something that's going to jump out at you. I dare say it's not something that these games want to jump out at you, yeah. but it's something they'll always fall back on as their defence that these controls um, exist. Because speaking as a parent, I mean, the number of controls with four sons and, and the boundaries that you need to put in place just for their safety, it's mind-boggling. Absolutely, And actually yeah. then they'll say, I can't get this, which is a legitimate something that I want to get because there's this, there's this you put this um, security on it. Can you take that off and you mm. take it off and you don't quite know what you're taking the security off. So it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? There almost needs to be a how-to guide for parents, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. 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 And, yeah go on, sorry, yeah, so I think part of the discussions that I've had with my, my son's school, for example, so my son's eight. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge FIFA fan, never have been. My son, on the other hand, is. Yeah. Um, and I think the discussions that I've had with his head teacher and with some of the parents at his school um, is around, you know, understanding those those player safety, uh, the parent controls and um, and safety controls that you can have. Yeah. Like you said, they're not inherently well known. They're not, you know, the, the console doesn't jump out at you and say, mm. you should do this if you don't, here's what can happen. Um, and neither do the games either. And, you know, luckily, because of the experience that I've had, I make sure that my son has those in place. So if he tries to purchase anything, I get a notification on my phone that I have to either approve or not. Yeah. Um, it won't let him spend anything without me knowing. Mm. And I think the stance that I generally take is that I wouldn't want to prohibit the sale of loot boxes to everybody, but it's, it's, he should never certainly be able to do that. Um, you know, and it, it does become difficult and it does become... So are you talking over 18s? Yeah, I think over 18 should be able to buy it. You know, it's, as with gambling, you would never allow a, you know, a 14-year-old to go in, even if there were safety features and, and play on a roulette machine. Hmm. You know, you wouldn't ever allow them to do that, but you would allow them or you should allow them if they're over the age of 18. Um, you know, we can talk all day about whether or not people should have awareness of traditional gambling harms raised to them. I mean, that's a large portion of the work that we do is that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you give them the right education while they're at schools, you make them aware of the harm that can come from it. You help educate the teachers so that they know the signs to spot. Schools have loads of programs around internet safety, and this should form a large part, portion of that. Certain schools, my son's school does, has days where they invite the parents in, and the parents take part in internet safety lessons for parents that are either not particularly tech savvy um, or maybe older than, than than some parents that haven't grown up with technology it helps them to be aware of the, the harms that can come and so if we do all of this by the time that the children reach the age of 18 they should have a well-rounded understanding of that and I'm not going to say that then no harm will ever occur because obviously harm will always occur um, yeah. but it will limit the amount of harm that can happen it's really helpful, actually, from a parental point of view, the education piece. Johnny, where does the responsibility lie when it comes to regulation? Is it, is, should it be self-regulation? Should it be something that the government introduces? I do believe at the moment we have a situation where the foxes are guarding the hen houses, as one of the leading researchers, David Zendel, said, um, with the industry being given another chance to self-regulate. There's no sign, as I say, that we're going to see any meaningful change. And... I really hope that in the UK we do see changes and more significant changes that we're beginning to see um, come forward in other countries. It all really lies on moving past this technicality that exists that's allowing games makers to get away uh, with the sale of loot boxes for now, which is that technicality that the items don't hold financial value. Now, in terms of what we were talking about just before there with schools and education, Dave and I were chatting just beforehand and actually it made me think of a particularly harrowing point when I think back, which is mm. that when I was sat in my IT lessons at school, my entire class was on 
basically the web application of the game of FIFA. And when the teacher wasn't looking at our screens, we'd be flicking onto a different tab. And everyone in the lesson, we were all opening packs within the school, within our lesson. You know, looking back, there's so many things like that that I realized. Another thing would be that, um, yeah, I, th I think the point I just made actually summarizes the fact that, like with other gambling addictions as well, this isn't just something that was happening when I was on my console on the weekend. This was something that was consuming me that I'd be thinking about all the time. Peer pressure is a, a massive thing with this. We would be sat, you know, in our breaks at school, everyone would be talking about who they, you know, packed as the term, who they got in a pack or a loot box that weekend, what their team was looking like. I would be planning out what my team would be all through the week and things, you know. This was something that was on my mind all the time, not just when I was actually able to make yeah. those purchases. And there was even a point where you have what's called pack simulators. So I would have an app on my phone where you wouldn't actually, um, I would spend a few pounds here or there to buy a currency on this app that would allow me to simulate the process of buying FIFA packs, where I wouldn't actually be able to use the items that were involved at all. But I think that speaks to just how addicted I was to that process that we're talking yeah. about here of sitting there watching the animation yeah. and opening these packs. And then meanwhile, we have a situation where I talk about this technicality, where apparently it's not gambling if the items don't hold financial value. These items didn't even hold value within my game. If I got yeah. Messi or Ronaldo in this pack simulator, I wouldn't be able to use them within FIFA, but I was so addicted to this process that I was spending money to just simulate that experience. How big a thing is peer pressure, do you think, Nathan? I know when, <laughs> when he was talking about being with his mates, you, there was a nod of recognition. Is, is, that a, is that a really big issue for, for, for kids 12, 13, 14, 15? I think it's a thing for everyone even when when we were a little bit older and stuff you know yeah. we're putting in our teams in the chat and it's like you know a promotion would be coming up maybe like might have been the halloween promotion whatever uh whatever the, whatever the cards are called spooky cards whatever yeah. um and it would be like i've just opened say 50 pounds worth of packs and it's like other lads in the chat oh someone else opened them someone else opened them yeah. you know to give us the excitement as well not just not just them so it, it it will happen and obviously it's going to be worse for kids and it will be worse for kids now because you've got them on the mobile phones. I mean, you can open packs on your mobile, you can, you know, you can buy, you can buy the loot boxes. So you can do it in, in, in the school surrounding and whatever, if they have debit cards themselves or the mum's cards on it. Um, you know, I've plenty of time and I've been in, in my partners or when I when I didn't know my own house and you know, I'll be lying there on the bed and as Jonathan said, you'll be, you know, changing your team for that current method and, you know, you'd be oh, I might just open two thousand one hundred points and if it's just like twenty one quid and think you get like three packs out of it, mm. more than likely you, you were gonna pack like an eighty three racer player which was worth nothing. But it is that peer pressure of your mates and, you know, you don't mean to do it. It, it, I think it's just a natural thing, as you know, you want to see, you want to see someone open a good pack. It's 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 a really really well made point. It's and a man field, really, isn't it? Yeah, you just because you just you just see that at play, and I see that at play. You know, in in, in you know, in it, well, you're right. In all of us, in many ways, isn't it? The peer pressure is a very real thing. Final thoughts, then. I mean, Johnny, you mentioned that not enough is currently being done. So, how do we get to a situation where the right things are being done to protect those who need protecting? Yeah, I think 
more and more people understanding the issue fully is so important. Mm. More and more research, um, it's almost hard to say because we now have so much compelling research that, well, one verifies the link between loot boxes and gambling, but also that shows the scale of the harm that's being done. Yeah. We did our own research, we had our own surveys that found that that found that 3% of all 14 year olds and under um, had spent over a hundred pounds in the past month alone on in-game purchases. Now, if that scales up at all, that's terrifying. That's obviously over a thousand pounds a year by 3% um, of all 14 year olds and under. So research continues to be really important to make that point. Um, and yeah, I think education again is critical. Parents understanding this issue, teachers understanding this issue. Um, and finally moving towards that point where we do get the regulations that, that we need, which again is that if you're under 18, you shouldn't be able to buy a loot box in the same way that you can't use a slot machine. Dave, Johnny, Nathan, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for being here with us on this podcast and also for being so vulnerable about your experiences which carry real weight and I know uh, are significant and will help uh, a lot of people. And thank you too for watching and listening to uh, the Gambling Harm podcast. We'll be back with uh, another episode very soon. Bye for now.